Well, good morning to you. Turn the lights on. Let me see these white peoples. All these non-tan faces I see out there. Well, don't hate me because we've been gone, but I'm telling you, there are places in America that are in full bloom spring right now. Uh, <laughs> Magnolia's fully bloomed, beautiful sunshine every day, and I won't even bother you with my hole-in-one story. If you see the smile on my face, it's just a permanent smile from now on, so it's a good thing. Thank you for letting me be away. A couple of weeks ago, Pastor Ben preached because I was speaking up at Camp Barakal. Uh, winter time is kind of my favorite time. I get to go and speak at all these winter retreats, and I love that. I love that the board has given me a certain amount of times I can be away and go and do that, and it's, it's a joy to my heart. And then you guys should know the routine. It's, I think, the eighth time we've done this. Uh, the last week of February going into March, we head to Hilton Head. Uh, my father-in-law puts us up there in his condo, and we have a wonderful week of great food great sunshine, and it was wonderful. So I uh, thank you for letting me be gone. Hopefully, I haven't heard Doug's message yet. I haven't had time to even listen to that. Did he do okay? He didn't do anything I need to fix up or anything, do I? You know, I don't need to fix any of his theology. Doug's great. I, I appreciate Doug so much. I'm so thankful for him. He's not only um, a friend of mine, but he's a friend of Oakwood's, and it's so good that we have uh, Pastor Doug Schmidt in our friendship circle. So I'm grateful for that. We drove back yesterday. We left at 6 a.m., drove 15 and a half hours, and I'm still standing. should sing that. It should have been one of our worship songs this morning. I'm still standing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And do you smell the bread? Can you smell it? Can you smell that? Trying to use some visual and some sensory things this morning. And so you might be asking, do we get to eat the bread? No. And no, you don't get to eat the bread for communion, no. Um, I think we're going to do what the Catholic churches do after communion. The pastor and the priest or whatever gets to eat all the leftovers. So I'll be taking care of that bread. That's for an illustration for the sermon. So is the tree. And uh, we'll get to that in just a moment. We're going to take communion at the end of this message. Then we'll do the benediction and then send you out today. But I'm so glad that you're with us. I do want to encourage you, if you're new in the last couple of months, we are encouraging newer people to stop in classroom one. All the classrooms are in the hallway on that side of that wall. Classroom one, this is not a meeting where you sit down, there's no presentation. It's simply walk in, you get to meet some of the elders, Pastor Ben and Pastor Don. I'm uh, Pastor Don. I'll be in there, and I think there's going to be a little, little bit of something uh, to eat in there and coffee, bring coffee in. And uh, we got a free book for you to give to you. So come meet the leadership. We want you to say hello, give me your name. Uh, it's good to put a name and a face together. So we encourage you to do that. We're going to try to make that something that happens the first Sunday of every month from now on. That's kind of a first touch. So if you're visiting, you're kind of new and you're feeling us out, I encourage you to stop in, say hi to us so we get to know who you are. And then we encourage you to take the next big step, which is come to Discover Oakwood. We have one of those happening next Sunday. That's a free lunch. Child care is provided. Just got to sign up so we know ahead of time. Those are some of the steps you can take. But coming today does not commit you to coming to the Discover Oakwood. Just come and say hi to us. We just want to greet you. We are in Romans, back to Romans, friends, and this is the last of the hard messages, the last of the difficult messages, and it's so easier after I got a hole-in-one to be able to just smile through the whole thing. Mm. 
I wrote this two weeks ago, and I was rereading it yesterday on the way home, and so hopefully it makes sense because Julie was driving and I was holding on and screaming uh, while I while I read the reread this. So let's pray first, and then we'll read the the context Romans eleven sixteen through thirty two, and we'll make some points on that. Let's pray together. Would you just give this prayer to God? God, since there's something you want me to hear, I'm willing to listen. Just give that prayer to God. God, since there's something you want me to hear, I am willing to listen. And God, we do pray that you would be glorified, that everyone hearing this message would be edified, and that Satan would be horrified. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's read the whole context. Romans 11:16 through 32. And let's see. Ah, if the part of the dough, take a deep breath through the nose. If the part of the dough offered as first fruits is holy, then the whole batch is holy. If the root is holy, so are the branches. If some of the branches have been broken off and you, though a wild olive shoot, have been grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing sap from the olive root, do not consider yourself to be superior to those other branches. If you do, consider this. You do not support the root, but the root supports you. You will say then, branches were broken off so that I could be grafted in. Granted, but they were broken off because of unbelief. And you stand by faith. Do not be arrogant, but tremble. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. Consider, therefore, the kindness and sternness of God. Sternness to those who fell, but kindness to you, provided that you continue in his kindness, otherwise you will also be cut off. And if they do not persist in unbelief, they will be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. After all, if you were cut out of an olive tree that is wild by nature and contrary to nature were grafted into a cultivated olive tree, how much more readily will these, the natural branches, be grafted in to their own olive tree? I don't want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers and sisters, so that you may not be conceited. Israel has experienced a hardening in part until the fall, full number of the Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion. He will turn godlessness away from Jacob. And this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. As far as the gospel is concerned, they are enemies for your sake. But as far as election is concerned, they are loved on account of the patriarchs. For God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. Just as you who were at one time disobedient to God have now received mercy as a result of their disobedience, so they too have now become disobedient in order that they too may now receive mercy as a result of God's mercy to you. For God has bound everyone over to disobedience so that, they, so that he may have mercy on them all. So many things here. And uh, I kind of like... Paul, the person here, the writer, um, he, he mixes his metaphors, and I love that. He started out this passage, and we're talking about Israel. Don't forget, uh, chapters 9 through 11 are the hard ones because people disagree about who Israel is today. Are they rejected by God? Is it permanent? 
Uh, is God going to fulfill the covenants he made with his people Israel? There's all these questions and people have come up with some interesting answers. And yet Paul very clearly in nine through 11 talks about Israel. In this message, he talks about Israel and the Gentiles. And he starts by talking about bread. I'm not sure if he was thinking about using this until he jumped ship and went to the tree illustration, but he starts by talking about the lump. So I sent out a message asking, who still bakes bread in a bread maker? And I guess that's not as popular as it was 15 years ago. Or, uh, but right away, some people said, yeah, I, I still make bread in a bread maker. I'm like, you gotta, we got to have that smell wafting. You know, if anything, you ought to leave with your stomach grumbling today and say, Petey did that to me. Uh, it, it's good because the illustration is something, he started with an illustration, I think that was probably more understandable in that day than it is today. Because, boy, they used to uh, make bread dough, and, and he didn't mention this, but you put yeast, a little yeast in that dough, right? And then they always saved a lump. When they made their dough, they saved a lump, put it in a cool, dark place, and left it there. Because when they started the new bread, the next day they used that lump that had the yeast in it and started it in the new bread. And it, and it just goes, keeps going from there. You always save a lump of that yeast. And it's interesting because yeast, biblically, is usually used... For a bad illustration, the yeast of the Pharisees. It gets in and it ruins everything. And so I think Paul started, I don't know for sure, we'll ask him when we get to heaven. I think he started on the bread thing and thought, wait a second, I'm using this as a positive illustration and it's usually used as, let's talk about trees. (laughs) And then he jumps ship and he goes over to the tree illustration. But I like the idea of the bread. The people hearing this every day, pretty, pretty much every day they were making bread kneading the dough and mixing in the flour and the water, the yeast and that lump and the, you know, and they're doing this every day and the smell of bread is wafting through their homes. And we don't, we run to Beaky's and we pick up a cold thing off the shelf, right? And, And it's not quite the same. How many of you make fresh bread at home? All right. All right, let me give you my phone number. Call me up, I'll come over. Um, I like, there's nothing like warm bread with a little butter and then give me the honey. Oh, give me the Tupelo honey. And we put that all over that bread. There's nothing like that. Love that. But he jumped ship. Then he, right away, even in the first verse, verse 16, part of the uh, dough is offered to the first fruits is holy, and then the whole batch is holy. And then he goes, is, if the root is holy, so are the branches. Thank you, Matt Bryson from uh, Wojo's. He comes to Oakwood, and he brought this tree uh, for us today. I asked him if I can get a tree on stage, and he did a great job. So here's our tree. Those of you who aren't horticologists, uh, that's the roots, All right? And this is the, what do they call that, the crown maybe? Is this the crown? Where's Matthew? There you go, Matthew. This is the crown. Do you know what kind of tree this is? What is this? It's an apple tree? Oh, nice. Got a fruit tree going on. So Paul starts talking about this tree, and of course, they're in Israel, and so it's an olive tree. Um, Kathy and I are still talking about the possibility of, of taking a trip to Israel. A uh, group of Oakwood people, 20 to 25 people next spring, maybe a year from now. Uh, be thinking about that. We'll be presenting some facts to you. Those interested might go. But if you go, I guarantee you're going to find yourself in an olive grove. <laughs> um, it, it, 
the place that they let us go and pray for one hour, they, they said, go into here and pray for an hour. Spread out, get alone, and pray. And this is where we think the Garden of Gethsemane was. This is where Jesus, somewhere in this garden, he prayed. And it's pretty cool to walk around like, oh, is it that tree? I'm going to be by the tree. Where was Jesus? And we don't know. We don't even know for sure if that's the garden. We don't even know if any of those trees were alive. Probably not uh, 2,000 years ago. So here we are. Um, Paul's talking about an olive tree and its branches. So he says, verse 17, if some of the branches have been broken off and you, though a wild olive shoot, have been grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing sap from the olive root. Let me try to explain this as clearly as I can. I think there's a lot of mistakes come in Scripture and people jump to a verse and they quote a verse without the context because if you talk about this verse, it talks about branches being broke off. I'm not going to do it, Bryson. I'm not going to do it. But if, if somebody came and just snapped this branch off, right, uh, it sounds like you could lose your salvation. And again, I believe in eternal security. I believe that once you're truly saved, you're saved and you're securing God's hand. I believe that God writes your name in the Lamb's book of life in blood, not in pencil. God doesn't sit up there erasing us and rewriting us in. The Bible even says, can Christ go to the cross a second time and die? No, it's one for all. And so I believe, you don't have to believe this, I believe that once you're saved, you're always saved. Nothing can take you out of God's hand. But Paul's talking about Israel. And Israel was God's chosen. He, the roots, God is the root system. And he produced a tree, the people of Israel. Now from this tree is going to come all the patriarchs, Abraham, Jacob, David, but Jesus is going to come from this. He's off of one of these branches. That's where Jesus comes from. But what Paul has been telling us is not all Israel is Israel, right? Some people rejected Jesus as the Messiah. Because of their unbelief, they're taken off the tree. Now, I know that's hard for us to understand. Can we lose our salvation? Absolutely not. The truth is, some people never were saved. But they think they're in because of their roots. My roots are Israel. I'm Jewish, and so I'm in. I'm on the tree. I'm in. Remember? We believe in grace, not race. Everyone, including Jewish people, must come to faith by believing. Remember? Uh, believe in your heart. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you will be saved. Romans 10, 9 and 10. There were some that were from the tree but they never believed. And so the illustration is those branches are broken off because they're not part of the tree. Not all Israel is Israel. Some are broken off branches because of their unbelief. Then I love what Paul does here. Paul says, but you, you're a wild shoot. Uh, Rusty Pauly made this for me in my bad, bad back days. And he, he made this wonderful cane. I mean, put this Harley Davidson. Th- I just love that. Is there a better illustration for the wild root than a, a branch with a Harley Davidson? That's you and me. I don't know if you consider yourself wild, child, but the Bible is telling you, Paul is saying, you are a wild branch. You don't belong to the tree. You weren't born in the tree. You didn't grow up in the tree. But by golly, because of God's grace, you're grafted in. No, I'm not going to graft it in completely. We're going to keep this tree so you can take it back to work, okay? 
But you and I, we're it. we don't match. <laughs> we don't belong. We're wild. Wild thing. <laughs> we belong now. Paul makes a big deal about that. So we've got some analogies we've got to deal with. Not Israel. Not all Israel is Israel. Only believing in Jesus makes you part of who Israel is, God's people. Let's continue to read that analogy. Then he says, because we're now sharing in the nourishment, pretend that thing is actually grafted in. Now it's receiving sap from the roots. And then Paul takes time to humble us. Verse 18, do not consider yourself to be superior to those other branches. If you do, consider this. You do not support the root, but the root supports you. You will then say, but branches were broken off so I can be grafted. Granted, but they were broken off because of unbelief. You stand by faith. Do not be arrogant, but tremble. Back to Paul's illustration here. I mean, if anything, if you have faith in Jesus Christ today, you should leave here so thankful. I'm allowed in. I'm allowed to be part of this tree. I'm allowed to be part of God's family. I'm just a wild shoot. I'm a thing that doesn't belong. I, I, there's no way. And that's Paul's point. It has nothing to do with how you were born, what family you were born into, what socioeconomic status. It does. None of that matters. Race, socioeconomic, nothing of that matters. Anyone and everyone can be grafted in and become part of the tree. Nothing amazing about you. I'm not trying to destroy your, your self-image. But you just need to know, Paul is saying, that's not about you. You're an ugly wild shoot. Honestly, he says, you're an uninformed, you don't understand, shoot. (laughs) I look at that and I go, oh, shoot. (laughs) I'm just thankful that I'm in because I'm in Christ. He says, don't look at the branches and say to them, look at me, look, we're here now. Us Gentiles are here. We're better than you. No, no, no. They were the natural branches. They belong there because God chose them, but he also allowed the Gentiles to come to faith because of the gospel. And Paul was spreading the gospel to both the Jews and the un-Jewish people. Let's make a couple of points out of this passage. By God's mercy... We're singing about grace today, right? That was Tracy's whole thing. All three songs, grace. By the way, next week, the theme is hallelujah. Hallelujah is in all of the songs. We've got a theme thing going here. By God's mercy, by God's grace, Israel is not extinguished. Again, I've tried to explain this. Some that don't believe might be broken off the tree because of their disbelief. They did not believe in Jesus. But God is not giving up on all of Israel. They're not extinguished. Israel continually rejected God in his ways. We know that to be true. Israel suffered because of that at the hands of the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Persians, and eventually the Romans. Israel has always suffered, and it's directly related to their disbelief, their rejection of God. Israel has rejected Jesus as their Messiah. If God can work through Israel's failure, imagine how he can work through their repentance. Paul says to us, the church, 
made up of both Jewish believers and Gentile believers, he says to them, uh, care about Israel. Don't gloat because you're in the tree, but pray that they would return. Now he makes an analogy here. And by the way, every analogy breaks down over time. There is never a perfect analogy that if you take it too far, you won't go too far with an earthly analogy. But Paul starts talking about the branches that were broke off. Wouldn't it be great if those came to belief? So God's chosen people, Israelite people, Jewish people, if they came to an understanding and faith in Jesus, can they be grafted back in? He's, he's making the point, yes, because of faith, they could be grafted in. And then Paul was saying, don't get arrogant because you're already grafted in. They're the natural ones. They, they belong there. It's a great thing if they return. Does that make sense to you? So Paul is saying, understand this. Now, here's where the analogy starts breaking apart. I don't believe through other scriptures that when I was grafted in by faith and received Jesus Christ as my Savior, that I could be broken off. Now, Paul does say, be careful lest you're arrogant and by disbelief you get broken off too. I think this is where the analogy starts going too far and making no no sense. I don't believe that a real true believer, that's key word, true believer, can be broken off. Uh, Again, I've talked about this. What is it that breaks you off? Is sin something that breaks you off the tree? Well, then we're all in trouble. We probably sin every day. So we got to be grafted in every time. No, no, no. There's other passages that make it very clear. No, no, you believe. You put your faith in Jesus. And then what do you do with the sin? Well, then you confess sin to be in a right relationship with God. But that doesn't save you if you're already a Christian. You confess your sin to stay in a right relationship. I don't believe that the person that's grafted in can be broken off and grafted in again. I don't think that's what Paul meant. I think Paul means, hey, don't you think that you're just in? Don't make the mistake Israel made. Just because you're in church, if you're not here by, by belief and faith alone, then you're broke off too. I think that's what he's trying to say here. The key that Paul is saying is it's by faith that you're saved by grace. It's God's grace. And that's why he can say, don't get arrogant. It's not about you. It's not that you were such a good Gentile that you now belong to God's tree. No, nothing. That has nothing to, it's not you that's good. It's God that's good. It's not your faith that's good. It's God's grace that's good. Amen. Are you with me? It's, it's God is good. And all the time, it's not me. That's what I think Paul is trying to say with a visual illustration. It has nothing to do with me. Look at that silly branch with the Harley hanger on it. (laughs) It's silly. It just doesn't look like, but that's God. That's God. Man, don't you think that when we get to heaven, not too long after we're admitted in, we're going to say, you were here too? How did you get in? They're going to say, we were just talking about that about you. How did you get in? Because we're nothing. I mean, we're nothing special. Now, don't get me wrong. God loves you. That makes you special. You're a child of God in those aspects. But it's not because of you that you get saved. It's not that you have to be a really good Gentile to make the cut. No. There's no goodness in any mankind, Jewish or Gentile. There's no goodness. It's only the goodness of God. And by the grace of God, he saves those from the original root But he also saves that wild shoot, you and me. That's exciting. To me, that's exciting. 
Anytime I'm accepted anywhere, I'm like, woohoo! So by God's mercy, Gentiles are not exceptional. Verses 17 through 27. Paul humbles the Gentiles, the non-Jewish believers. We're a wild olive branch. He even says, without understanding, without knowledge. Uh, it feels like when you read Paul, he's, he's snarky a lot. But he, in that culture, when he says, I don't want you to be ignorant, brother, he's not calling them ignorant. Basically, he was using actually the root of that, the, the real use of that word. We've changed the use of that word. Ignorant just seems un, un, misinformed, uninformed. You just don't know, right? And so we're without understanding. So the Gentiles get grafted in. We're this wild olive branch, not a cultivated plant. We're grafted in, not special, but God's mercy is what is special. This thing really doesn't like me. Did it work for, did it work for Doug? Did he use it at all? He didn't use it all. That's why he's smarter than I am. Technology. Talk about not understanding. Offers nothing to the root, but gets everything from the root. I like that analogy about us as Gentiles. Boy, I hope you don't think that we're, we're like God's gift to salvation. You know, I, I, I hope we don't feel, and Paul makes the point very clear, that we're some wild olive branch and we get grafted in and now we're like, woohoo, now, now look, I'm here. I'm here, everybody. I'm special. No, we grafted in, we don't offer anything to the root. We don't help the tree at all. I mean, the, in fact, the only nourishment that comes has to be from the root. God himself, he's the one that produces this tree. And he's got natural branches and he's got wild shoots growing out of it. It's all because of God, not because of me. Everything comes from God. If anything, in that illustration, I think you should take that one. So don't be arrogant, but tremble. Be thankful. Tremble. I don't think tremble in fear, but tremble in awe of the fact that we get to be part of this tree. I mean, it was impossible. Apart from God saying, Paul, go, go, my own are rejecting me, so go in the highways and byways and compel them to come in, right? Remember the story of, of the wedding party and the guests weren't coming, and so they went and grabbed all the vagabonds off the street. Man, that's me. I'm getting into heaven because he, God's pulling me off the street. That's an amazing thing, and it makes me tremble in awe of God. Not arrogance. Not arrogance. By God's mercy, God is not exhausted you know, I, I think we, we tend to think of God getting worn out by us, right? We tend to think God got worn out by Israel, but he didn't. Remember two weeks ago when I shared that story about I, um, uh, Elisha, Elijah? Remember Elijah thought he was the only one, you know, and he's like, oh, mercy me, God, you, I'm the only one left, and look how poorly I'm being treated. And God's like, hey, listen, I... I hate to break it to you, but I got 7,000 others just like you. So why don't you go retire? Go pick Elisha. Go tell him he's next, okay? Go sleep. <laughs> Eat some food. Remember that story? For me, that sh- that for me that, that's kind of like the perspective from earth versus the perspective from heaven. The perspective from earth is all, we always think about us, ourselves. It was a, me. It's always about me. And God's like, oh, boy, I love you, but... <laughs> It's not all about you. You you ought to be thankful you're grafted in. But I've got others 
just like you that I'm grafting into this great big family that I'm making, this tree. And then I've got Israel that I'd love to see come back and I'd graft them in again. I don't know if that's even possible. Matt, do you know, are you, are you a horticologist just because you work at, at Wojo's? Can you break a branch off and then graft it back in? How many times can you do? I don't understand that whole thing about grafting something into a tree. To me, that's a major, I mean, if, it, if I can't do it by duct tape, we're in trouble. And God's got some incredible duct tape. And it's all Jesus, right? It's all Jesus. When Jesus died on the cross and his blood flowed, grace was offered, I believe, to the whole world. That whosoever believes can come. And God does the magic work, the the miraculous work of grafting them in to the family of God. Oh, it's good. He's not exhausted. God... He doesn't give up. Psalm 121.4. Psalm 121.4. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither sleep, will neither slumber nor sleep. I like that. He doesn't take a nap. He doesn't get his eight hours, but he doesn't even take a nap. He's not unreachable. He's not exhausted. Our God is tireless. We, however, need rest. And he helps us with that. In creation, he gave us that seventh day. They need rest. We've got a pattern kind of to look at there about resting and getting our Sabbath rest. Taking, I'm not preaching the Sabbath. I just think we all need a Sabbath principle, right? If, if the, the rule is you can't work on Sunday, pastor's the worst one, right? I'm here at 6.30 this morning, right? I got called in. I'm driving home somewhere in Virginia. Tracy's like, we got nobody to play guitar. Show up early. Okay. All right. Show up early. Got here this morning, found the music. What are we singing? I don't know that song. Okay, here we go. You know, uh, uh, this is not a day of rest for me, right? And and so am I breaking the Sabbath? No. Uh, The elders here are wonderful. They want me to take a day off. So on Monday, I try to take a day off. And if I don't leave town, it gets a little hard. I end up usually showing up here. Uh, but, but on Monday, I try to take a day of rest. You need a day of rest as well. It's a Sabbath principle, not a Sabbath law anymore. Remember, uh, those rules were written as laws for Israel. Jesus repeated nine of the ten, ten commandments. He did not repeat the Sabbath one, and he broke the Sabbath uh, at times too. But the principle he kept It amazes me that Jesus himself had to get alone to pray and rest. Because he was fully God but fully man. So he needed that rest when he was here. Our God in heaven, he is not exhausted. He doesn't give up. Israel rejected God. Those are the branches that were broken off. Gentiles given the gospel are branches that are grafted in, wild shoot. And anyone, Jewish or Gentile, who believes in their heart and confesses with their mouth that Jesus is Lord will be saved. Now, I haven't had you say anything all day, but can you say those three words with me? Ready? One, two, three. Will be saved. That's a beautiful thing. What's the conclusion today? God's grace will thrive in all the world by His mercy and for His glory. Okay, there. Number one, remember who you were. Before faith in Jesus, you were dead, lost, and hopeless. That's why I like his illustration. Yeah, he he probably was thankful that he went to the tree illustration because 
what do you do with the bread thing? I mean, he, you know, broken off, put back in. I don't know. He, he got really smart when he moved away from the bread illustration. But bread is really good too. It smells good. Remember who you were. Everybody say were. were. See, before faith in Jesus, you were dead, lost, and hopeless. We're just this wild shoot, man. We got, we got nothing. We're, we're, we're not attached to anything, so we're not having a life force. That's why we were told in Scripture you must be born again. Why? Because spiritually you're dead. Spiritually we're born dead. Does that make sense to you? When you come out of your mother's womb, you have physical life, but you have no spiritual life. The only way to get spiritual life is to be born again spiritually that's the moment that you're grafted in and now you have life why not about you it's about the root supplying life to you it's good to be grafted in that's why you see throughout scripture the illustration constantly in christ in christ if anyone is in christ they're a new creation you don't become you don't become alive spiritually and make your way to Christ. A lot of people think that, like, well, you don't understand. I'm a, I'm a wild root, man. I got the wild side, and so I got to kick my drug habit. I got to kick my alcohol problem. I've got I, I, to work on my swearing. I, I got to work on my You know, people think they've got to clean themselves up to get to the tree. And there's nothing further from the truth. When you come, truly means... Come as you are, because it's in Christ that we get new life. The old creature is now gone, and the new one is now alive. I happened to go in a coffee shop. Surprise, surprise. And it was in Hilton Head, and it was 80 degrees every day. So I walked in this about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and uh, it's the greatest, whoever did this, they're genius. It's called Java Burrito. It's a restaurant that serves tacos, burritos, and coffee. And the coffee's actually good. Somebody actually found out the true connection from heaven to earth. Java burrito. And so it's got great Mexican food, but they serve good coffee. But the, the Java burrito, it's like going through the Chipotle line or the uh, Quidoba line, right? And you, but you can skip that if you're coming to get coffee. You go all the way to the end, there's a little counter, and you get coffee. So I walked in, and I'm standing behind a, a man and a woman, and they're ordering coffee, and all of a sudden the manager comes out right in front of the guy, and he's like, excuse me, sir, I'm going to have to ask you to leave. I'm like, oh, backing up, backing up. And then I look down, I notice he's barefooted. He just barefooted. And he's like, sir, I, I will bring you whatever you ordered. I will pay for it, and I'm going to bring it to you if you just step out, because the health code is we cannot allow bare feet. Shirts and shoes, the health code. It's not me, it's the health code. Oh, he was not happy. The guy started cussing and swearing and trying to prove that the bottom of his bare foot was no different than the bottom of my shoes. And I'm like, oh, dude, just leave. He's paying for your coffee. Go out, you know. And the guy's making a fit, a royal fit. When it comes to what God has done for us, it is so inclusive. I know that we think the gospel is exclusive, but it's so inclusive. For whosoever will shall come. Come as you are, barefoot, no shirt. You get service without shoes or shirts in heaven. You come as you are, sinner. Multiple issues. You come. And if you believe and you give your life to Jesus, 
he does a beautiful thing. He takes this wild branch and he makes it his own. New life in Jesus. Are you in Christ today? I'm not asking if you're in church. Some of you might say, well, I'm in progress. I'm working on, I'm working my way to, no, you don't work your way to God. Matter of fact, the danger is the more you work, the further you get from God. That was Israel's problem. Israel was very religious. They had the laws and the prophets, and so they, they obeyed the rules. They were very ruling. Checkbox, checkbox, checkbox. And they found themselves further and further and further from the heart of God. So when the Messiah showed up, they didn't see him. They didn't get him. They didn't receive him at all. They rejected him. Friends, don't reject God by trying to work your way to him. Come as you are. You won't believe the help you'll get of some of those issues in life when you give your life to Jesus and let him give you real life, spiritual life. You can't kick some of these worldly habits just with your own willpower. God does an amazing thing when you get grafted in. He unzips you and stuffs the Holy Spirit, and then you've got hope and help. There's nothing like having the Holy Spirit given to you as a gift A deposit until we get to heaven. That's what God calls him, the Holy Spirit in your life. So the question today is not so much what do you think about Israel. You can have your own opinion. You can say, PD, everything you said is baloney. I believe Israel's out. They're rejected and they can't be restored. Whatever, whatever you believe. That's fine. You settle that with God when you get to heaven. He's going to tell you I was right. You can think whatever you want about Israel. I believe that God's going to finish his business with Israel. Chapters 9 and 11, we're past them now. But is our big point to try to get you to agree on, no, you know what? Think what you want to think. But don't miss this, because I think this is what's essential here. The lesson from disobedient Israel is, it doesn't matter if you were born into a religious family, if grandpa and, and dad and mom and Great grand, if they were all wonderful, it doesn't matter if you're born into that family. Have you been grafted into this tree? God's tree, not the church. I'm afraid many people can go to church their whole life and miss heaven. Yeah, you could do that. You could show up and be faithful. That's why the scariest passage in all the Bible is Matthew chapter 7, when we get a glimpse of what's going to happen on that day of judgment. When each person stands before God, he's going to want to know who's paying for the sin. And the Bible says many on that day are going to say, but Lord, Lord, I did good things in your name. I I did this, I did that, I did this, I did that. And God's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. Are you grafted in as God's child? If you are, he knows you. He knows you. If not, you're just a wild shoot on your own with no life. And when it comes time to go to heaven someday, and God asks that question, who's paying for the sin? You'll have to pay for your sin your own self. And that's a terrible thing. But today you have a choice to make. The choice I made when I was younger, to go to God and say, God, I made a mess out of my life. I'm I've got addictions, I've got a garbage can of addictions, a spiral downward. God, my whole life's been a toilet bowl because of everything I've put in it. But if you'll take me, and God says, I'll take you, just as you are. And he saved me. So when I get to heaven, God says, Don Jackson, who's paying for the sin? I'm immediately going to point to Jesus. God, I asked your son to take my sin. And then God's eyes, stop looking at Don Jackson's sinfulness, because it's, it's not pretty. 
Instead, he's going to look at his son. And when he looks at his son, he's going to say, Don Jackson. Why? Because all of my sin was on Jesus at the cross. And so God doesn't look at me anymore. If if my sins are forgiven by Jesus, he looks at Jesus and says, Don Jackson, you're perfect and pure. Wow. All because I got grafted in this wild shoot. Man, I don't know about you. That's better than a hole in one. That's better than a hole in one. I pray that that's true for you. If you haven't yet received him, I pray you'll do it today. And the last point is remember the promise of God. You're kept secure and firm in the family. Are you in the family? Are you in the tree? Are you receiving life from the root? That's what God has done for us. Be thankful today. And remember Paul's admonition. If you run into a Jewish person, start talking, tell them about Jesus. The hope is that that broken off branch can be grafted in again. God loves Israel. He's got a heart for them. So we need to be sharing the Messiah with the Jewish people, as well as with the Gentile. That's what Paul did with the rest of his life. He shared Jesus with both the Gentiles and the Jewish people. Let me pray, and we're going to transition over to communion. Would you pray with me? Father God, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for this word. I thank you for Romans 9 through 11 hard sometimes and very direct wording by Paul illustrations but God I pray through all of that we wouldn't be confused that we would understand your heart for your people Israel but also your heart for us the wild shoot the wild root that got grafted in God I just pray you'd help us tremble at the thought of our salvation Levin thankful for being grafted in being thankful for being given new life. Pastor Ben said it, but I'll reiterate it. If you're not a member at Oakwood, we still encourage you to participate with communion. Um, The elements that we're about to receive are not sacerdotal. They do not bring salvation. They're simply a representation of the body of Jesus, the blood of Jesus. And we do this to take time out of our our daily lives to remember do this in remembrance of me so we stop to remember you don't need to be a member of this church but you do need to be a member of that tree and if you're in the tree then you're welcome to join us today i'm going to give you a moment because the bible does give a warning it says don't do this lightly or unadvisedly but in the fear of the Lord. And so the Bible says a person should examine themselves. So before we get into the elements of the communion, I'd ask that you just silently pray. And if you find anything that's wrong in your life, confess that and get back in a right relationship with God. I'll give you just a moment. betrayed he took bread 
Father, we thank you for this little wafer. God, we, we pause to remember and reflect upon the gift of salvation offered through your Son. God, as we smell the, the bread in the air from this bread machine making this loaf, I think of your Son who came and he lived his life was a fragrant offering to you the choices he made yet he remained sinless there was no sin found in your son and so therefore we partake of this bread we understand that this body was broken for us for me and so God we're thankful that you sent Jesus the one who did not deserve to die was put to death the one who had no sin was punished for those of us who are full of sin. So we remembered that gift of Jesus. And we thank you. And when Jesus had given thanks, he broke it and he said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. also he took the cup after supper father we come to you and thank you for the blood of Jesus we know that you taught us without Jesus dying on the cross and shedding his blood there is no forgiveness of sins so father we're thankful that his blood was poured out we're thankful God that you took our debtedness our our list of sins and, and it was nailed to that cross God I'm thankful for Jesus being willing to shed his blood for me even though I was a sinner he died for me even though these people here were sinners he died for them Jesus went on to say this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me he goes on to say for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes Let's proclaim it to the Gentiles. Let's proclaim it to the Jewish people. Let's proclaim Jesus to whoever will hear the gospel. Amen.